Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that administrates the truth. 1 John 5, 6 literally says the Spirit is the truth. And so we thank you, Lord. We hearken our, we hearken our ear to your voice, that your heart, that your Lordship would be formed within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to continue our brand new series this morning on the centrality of Jesus and the necessity of Jesus being the foundation of our individual lives, our homes, our families, our church. Every single thing that comes out of Grace Church, every single thing that comes through Grace Church must be rooted and grounded in knowing Him. Amen. In knowing Him, understanding His work. How about... A, co- a commitment to study his teaching, We're talking about Jesus, that we would know his teachings and then we would obey his teaching. Uh, that we're committed to understanding his authority because it's now our authority and then of course his living voice. So everything that we are, everything that we do needs to have Jesus Christ and knowing him as the foundation. Here's Hebrews 12, 27. This is the living Bible. By this, he means that he will sift out everything without solid foundations so that only unshakable things will be left. How many of you know it can be uncomfortable, but that's the love of God. The love of God is that things that you've relied on, leaned on, thought were infallible, but turned out to be fallible. And for some of you, Politics, I think you figured out is fallible. Amen. That's the love of God in the sense that, hey, Lord, anything I'm leaning on, trusting in, comfortable because of, feel free to remove that so that I'm leaning on you, trusting in you, I'm anchored to you and you alone. Verse 28, since we have a kingdom, nothing can destroy. We have a kingdom. We're part of a kingdom, a greater government than any American politics. My allegiance far supersedes any American political party to I'm a son and an ambassador for the kingdom of God. Remember Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. The government will be upon his shoulders. A child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. So um, Jesus is our government. Since we have a kingdom, nothing can destroy. Let us please God by serving Him with thankful hearts and with holy fear and awe. Verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. We're in an hour, church, that anything that can be shaken will be shaken until all that remains is the unshakable kingdom of God. And I've taught you that the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. So what is unshakable is the unseen realm. Everything you see is temporary. What you don't see is eternal. And that's where we have to be anchored. Everything that is fallible will come under siege. Hear me now. Everything that's fallible in this hour is going to come under siege. And again, that's not a bad thing. That's the love of God. Things that we've relied on, that we shouldn't have. Things that we cling to instead of clinging to Jesus, instead of relying on Jesus, instead of being anchored to Jesus and tethered to Jesus. We need to rely on Him. Why? Hebrews 13.8 says that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, We look not to the things which are seen, 
but to the things which are unseen. Can I get a witness? Don't point any fingers. Don't even point at yourself. But I think if anything, the last two months has shown us that there's a whole lot of people in the body of Christ who were trusting in things they could see. And brethren, it ought not to be so. We've got to be anchored to the realm of the unseen. That is the Spirit. The Lord has established His throne in the heavenly realm, Psalm says. In the unseen realm. Whoever worships God must do so in spirit and in truth. My goodness. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 28, If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God comes. Okay, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. We're trusting in the name of our Lord. We're trusting in that which is unseen. That's where we're anchored and rooted. We're in a very careful and prayerful refining and retooling of Grace Church so we can move as one person and one family into Jesus Christ being the foundation of all we are and all we do. Why is this important in 2021 and beyond? Because everything else, any other foundation that you try to rely upon, depend upon, will be proven fallible. Hear me now. Do this now. Make the shift now. Make Jesus Christ the foundation of your personal life. Make Jesus Christ the foundation of your home, your family, your business. And certainly the church and beyond our relationships, however far that extends out. We're moving as one man into Jesus Christ being the foundation of all we are and all we do. The Lord told me this week, it's almost like a replanting of Grace Church, if you will, a refocusing. I was reminded of Jeremiah chapter 1, where it talks about uh, uproot, tear down, destroy, then what? Build and plant. So we've spent many years uprooting faulty belief systems. We've spent many years tearing down lie-based thinking performance-based mindsets, but now it's time to build and to plant so that what? So that we can bear much fruit, so that we have fruit that remains. But I'm telling you, you're not going to, you're not going to get to step two, bear much fruit without step one. And that's knowing him and abiding with him and walking in the spirit with him every day. The command is not go bear fruit. The command is to abide. So he's inviting you reconnect with me. Come to me. Aren't you glad in Matthew eleven twenty eight? He didn't say, come to my book, come to my religion, even come to my teaching, come to my theology, come to my doctrine. He said, come unto me. It's a personal invitation. God desires more than anything that you have a living relationship with the living God and his living word. That you know the living voice. The church is not a memorial to what Jesus did long, long ago. We are a voice and demonstration of what God is currently saying and what God is currently doing in the earth right now. Amen. Go ahead and give Him praise. One does it, we'll all do it. So there's a shift that's happening. And we're getting in on this shift. I've been telling our leadership teams over and over again, if we get the first thing right, everything that comes out of it will be right. But if we get the first thing wrong, if we chase after something other than Him as the foundation, everything that comes out of it will be wrong. 
Jesus is the center. He is our center. He is our foundation. He is our unquestioned leader. And what he's calling us to do is unite around him and his mission. We are not united around a meeting. I'm glad you're here and it's Sunday morning. But you know, we care that you live in victory and intimacy with Jesus all week long. Not just on Sunday for an hour and a half. That's not authentic Christianity. He paid way too high a price for you to just have a relationship with him for an hour on Sunday. Come on, somebody. Amen. You know that's right. So he's uniting us together around himself and his mission. He is our unquestioned leader. He is the foundation of Grace Church. Are you convinced yet that Pastor Steve believes Jesus is alive and well in the present tense? That He is the living voice that guides us each and every day. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That is ongoing, present tense. Religion cannot satisfy you. Religion is fallible. Religion is ugly. But a living relationship with a living God and His living Word is eternal. And it is life-giving Life-giving, life-giving. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. Everybody say foundation. And another is building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds. The Lord has added, you know, just in my time with Him, not only how you build, but on whom you build. On what you build. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Look at the Western church. All right. Look at our country. Do we need, we need some Jesus in our country. Agreed? 66% of Americans claim to be Christian. So there's a disconnect there between maybe Savior and believism. Yeah, I believe Jesus died and rose again. He loves me versus is he Lord of your life? Is He the living Word and the living voice operating in and through you and to you on a daily basis? If you look at the Western church, we've got buildings. We've got great preachers. We've got famous superstars within the body of Christ. Am I right? We've got great orators. We've got great administrative leaders. People that can organize a church. They can administrate things within their building and within their denomination or within their movement. But we as human beings, thanks brother, you can toss it. Thank you. We as human beings are not enough. Superstar preachers are not enough. Great orators are not enough. Why? We're not Jesus. He's enough. So why would the church be built, advertise, promote anything but him? It is. It's, it's good and it's right. And that's what's happening in this hour. I pray under the unction of the Holy Spirit, you're hearing the voice of the Lord this morning. This is what he's saying. He's drawing you into himself personally, personal invitation, intimate, be intimate with me. He is so interested in walking every single day with you. He wants to be near you. He wants to be in you. Paul prayed in Galatians chapter 4 verse 19, I labor, I have labor pains for you 
Until what? Until Jesus Christ be formed in you. In you. He paid a high price to move back inside of that temple. And what Paul is saying here is, man, I'm, I'm gutted here with labor pains. I'm passionate that you would be one with Jesus Christ on the inside. 1 Corinthians six seventeen that says that whoever uh, belongs to the Lord is one spirit with him. He's saying, I want to see you living your oneness with Jesus. That's what Paul is saying about these labor pains. So we want to be careful how we build, on whom we build. Above all, make sure it's all centered and founded on Jesus Christ. Don't get moved off of the foundation of Jesus Christ. Paul's saying no other foundation will work. Now you can try some others. Can I get a witness? Don't raise your hand. We've tried others. We could take the rest of today's service and people just chime in. Okay, well, I tried to build on this. I tried to build on this. So, no other foundation will work. You can try them, but they won't work. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they who build it labor in vain. Now, it sounds like a contradiction, but the Lord supplies the blueprint. Unless the Lord supplies the foundation, the blueprint, how this is going to look, those who partner with him in building that house do so in vain. No other way is going to work. I'm going to need my phone back. Thanks. I'm going to read to you in a little bit. I love how people within Grace Church are hearing the living voice. They're sitting with Jesus in the secret place. They're communing with him. One of the texts I'll read you here in a little bit, someone actually said, I have become my own foundation. And he's asking me to go back to his call to intimacy. And the Lord said to me, She said in her text, the Lord said to me, I'm going to go ahead and read it. Intimacy with me first before anything else. What's he doing with our precious sister right within this body? What's he doing with her? He's relaying the proper foundation because of pressure, because of performance. She realized I'm my own foundation. I'm I'm doing all this in my own effort to try to please him and please others. Can I get get a witness? That'll burn you out quick. So he's saying, oh no, intimacy with me first. Let's relay the original foundation. If you look, let me me say this. You need to have this. What he's inviting us to is to be those people who know who he is. We know his person. We know his work. In other words, What was Jesus' mission? What did he come to do? How about this? What's available because of what Jesus Christ has done? I think the church in America could use a little more insight into that. What's actually available through what Jesus did? Know and obey his teaching, know his authority, and know his voice. Know the living voice. If you look at cultural Christianity, you guys familiar with that term yet? You need to get familiar with it. Cultural Christianity is what we have in America predominantly. It's why most you can have 66%, two-thirds of the um, population can say, yes, I'm a Christian, 
And yet we, we, we sorely lack fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Last election, that's all I saw, right? Love, joy, peace, goodness. That's all I saw all over the country. And yet, and yet we're a model for the world. Two-thirds of us are Christian, and that's what we modeled. Cultural Christianity is, I'm a Christian because I live in America. I'm a Christian because I go to church. I'm a Christian because I believe in Jesus. Even the demons believe people. And at least they they tremble. Scripture says in James, the demons believe and tremble. So a cultural Christian is, I'm a Christian because I'm a good person. Uh, I'm a Christian because my good outweighs my bad. If you lay all those definitions of what a Christian in America is to this, there's a huge discrepancy. What if a, what if a real Christ follower is someone who knows who Jesus is? In other words, we're committed to know who Jesus is. We're committed to know His work, His mission, what He came to do. We're committed to know and obey His teaching. We're committed to know His authority and know His voice. What if that's actually a Christian? We've, we've, de- we've defined disciple within Grace Church, which needs to be done, abiding ways and works. Abiding, living connected to Him, living every day, heart to heart, spirit to spirit with Jesus. And then out of that, we start looking like Him, His nature, His character, walking in His ways. And then out of that, we're still abiding all the way through. We're living connected to the vine. Then we do his works. Well, in the same way, I think it's fair that how about the church in the West figure out what is a biblical Christ follower? Because I think the idea that, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a good person. I'm a Christian because I go to church. I'm a Christian because my grandma prayed for me. I'm a Christian because I signed a card, I think has come up a little short. What if a Christ follower is someone who purposes and orders their life around knowing who he is? knowing His work, knowing and obeys teaching, knowing His authority and knowing His voice. I like that. So a good question is this. Do you own and order your life around knowing His person, His work, His teaching, His authority, and His voice? Do you own that? Do you possess that? Have you ordered your life around these things? Because there are steps you can go through. Many people are aware of Jesus. Fair enough? Uh, especially in America, we're aware of Jesus. I mean, he's a true historical figure. Uh, museums even can uh, reflect his existence, his ministry. He was here. History books. We know he was here. But some people are just aware of Jesus. How about this? Then you can ponder knowing Him. You may be at Grace Church today and think, you know what, Brother Steve, he's really excited about that uh, knowing Jesus stuff. And I'm pondering that right now. I'm pondering it. And then you may actually value it. You may walk out of here and think, I think knowing Jesus is valuable. And then there's this huge jump from number three to number four. Number four is you begin to prioritize your life around knowing Jesus. And then number five, you're really radical. You own the reality. I want to know Jesus. 
I'm going to own it. I'm going to order my life around knowing him, knowing his work, knowing his teaching and obeying it, knowing his authority and knowing his voice. What a great, what a great question to ponder. Am I aware of Jesus? Am I pondering knowing him? Do I value knowing Jesus? Like, man, what a great sermon. I really think people should know Jesus. <laughs> or am I prioritizing now knowing Jesus? Am I owning knowing Jesus on a daily basis, getting to know him? That's a Christ follower. That's a student. That's a learner. Amen. I'm reminded of the four soils that Jesus taught on. Wayside, rocky, thorny, and good. Those aren't absolutes. You're not locked into one forever. You can move through those bad boys. Maybe maybe you came in today as wayside. I pray you run out of here as good soil. Maybe you came in pondering Jesus. Maybe that's why you visited the church today. Well, I'm here to tell you he's the greatest thing. He's the greatest thing you'll ever find. I'm here to tell you that you're too great a creation to be satisfied by anything but Jesus Christ. Too fantastic of wiring on the inside of you. Too much. I mean, you're part earth and part heaven. You're part natural, part supernatural. It's incredible how he designed you. You're perfectly made for a living relationship with heaven, with the spirit. And then walk it out in the earth. Amen? You'll never find anything to satisfy you like Jesus. Somebody should write a song. Right, Brian? Can't nobody do me like Jesus. You guys remember that old song? It's true. You cannot be satisfied by anything but Him. So, so assess yourself today. What soil am I today? Where am I at? Am I just pondering? Do I value knowing Jesus? Or am I willing to prioritize and commit my life to knowing Him? How about this statement? Everybody say, I love Brother Steve. I don't need to feel the love, but I like it. Okay? (laughs) If there's no evidence in your life that you're a Christ follower, you're probably not one. Is that fair? Thank you, whoever gave me a double portion over there. (laughs) We still love you. If there's no evidence in your life that you're a, a Christ follower, you're probably not one. And you need to, you need to assess that. And a, and a great question is, okay, well, what does one look like? All right, I'm glad you asked. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. Give me some of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, nice self-control, long-suffering, faithfulness, yeah, which is ultimately faith. King James Version's faith, which is our receptivity that produces his activity. Faith does have a byproduct. Faith is my receptivity to the vine, his supply, that produces his activity through Steve's life. Amen. That's powerful. Faith is not me doing religious things so God will like me. Faith is Steve connected to the living voice, the living vine, the living word, the living God that produces God's activity in Steve's life. All right, how about this one? You may not know these as well. Second Peter chapter one, verse five through seven. Add to your faith virtue. Good. 
Goodness is another definition of virtue. Knowledge. Self-control. It's in both lists, man. Take it up with God. (laughs) Take it up with God. Perseverance. Both lists. Godliness. Brotherly kindness. What's the last one? Love. Isn't it interesting? Galatians starts with love. The one in Peter ends with love. But they're both there. I think those are fantastic evidences that you are a Christ follower because, again, you're connected to Him, so now you're walking in His ways. His nature, His character, His attitudes are seen in your life, how you treat people. That's fair. I think it's also fair to say, as a Christian, that you have a desire to center your life and your home and your family and your business on the foundation of Jesus Christ. I think that you own that. I think that's a priority in your life as a Christ follower. Is that, yeah, I, I want to bear the fruit of the Spirit, but sometimes that's easy to just say. And we'll say, oh, yeah, I love my neighbor that one time. <laughs> Until he built, built that fence and then he made me mad. So now we don't talk. That's you, I apologize. <laughs> that was by the Spirit. But sometimes it's easy to just lay off, yeah, the, the fruit of those spirit and attitude because I see them every once in a while. I think we need to add to that. Are we committed to Noah's person? Are we ordering our life around his teaching? Are we ordering our life around who Jesus really is and the work that he came to accomplish? That's a Christ follower. I'm telling you, Jesus is the center. And the only Christianity that will last in this country will be ha- will have Jesus Christ as the foundation of it. And, and I don't mean like, oh yeah, I believe in Him. He was here a long time ago. I mean you know Him. Spirit to spirit, heart to heart, thought to thought, day to day, relationship, walking with Him. I think I mentioned earlier, do you know how much He longs to walk with you every day? Do you know how much He desires to live on the inside of you and coach you and lead you? Why is it important to Him? Because He made you. Colossians 1.16 says that every created thing was made by Him. And what's the other part? For Him. That's why when you work your own way or the world's way, you'll work your own ruin. Without fail. Without fail. If you live in contrast to the true nature of God, you will work your own ruin. You'll kill your relationships, all those things. So it matters to Him because He loves you. And you're made for him. So as he moves in, he begins to coach you and teach you what life is all about. He also teaches you how life is to be lived. When he said in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he's not just saying I'm the way to heaven. He's actually the way you're designed to live. He's the truth about you. He is the pattern son. He's the model son. Why is he in line for water baptism? Did he have sin? Why is he in line? Because it goes, it goes with, follow me. 20 times in the Gospels, he said, follow me. Who's he talking to? Us. Everybody who's in the dark about how life is to be lived. How does life work? We are, li- we are to live connected to the Spirit of our Father. So do you see now why the cross is only half the story? That's only half the Gospel. The cross was a means to an end. He had to restore the Father's living voice back into your spirit. He had to restore spirit-to-spirit connection with you or you would continue and continue and continue to stumble in the dark. You would continue, continue to look for satisfaction in things of the world that when, the, when you put them in the center, they ride you to your ruin. 
He did it because he loves you and he made you for himself. He had to restore what had been lost. And I'm the first guy to celebrate the cross. But don't take the cross without receiving the reason he did it. And that means receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the living voice back inside your spirit, back inside your heart, so you can have a day-to-day connection with your heavenly Father. Boy, that's powerful. I mean, that, that is why Jesus came. To immerse us again in the Spirit of God so we would have inward intimacy, so we'd know again who we really are. Do you remember in Genesis 1 when he said, uh, he said, multiply, go forth, bear fruit. Remember all that stuff? Take dominion. We didn't fall from heaven, people. We fell from our leadership position in the earth. So that's what he came to restore you to. Tell you again who you are and that you're connected to the Father. I'm not saying heaven's a bad idea. We're all going to go there, right? When, uh, when we shuck the earth suit, to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. But if you think he came so you could die and go to heaven, you missed it. He came to restore you to where you were and where you were, according to Genesis, was in a heart-to-heart loving relationship with the Spirit of your Father taking dominion in the earth. That's why you need to know His authority. We're not here to just leave the world to the devil. Amen, somebody. So let's get into the application. How am I doing on time? The application, how do I apply the five ways that we lay Jesus Christ as the foundation? And I said this earlier, I'm going to say it again. If you're here today and you're indifferent towards Jesus, I'm praying for you and people in this room are praying for you right now that the soil of your heart would change because you will not find satisfaction apart from Jesus Christ. You know what the real lie of sin is? Is that you could ever be satisfied by it. We think, oh, man, I did drugs the other day, and that's such a terrible sin. You know what the real deception is? Is you thought drugs could satisfy you. You're too great a creation to be satisfied by anything but Jesus. You weren't made by drugs for drugs. Now, just pick. You don't have to disclose it. You all know what you struggle with in your private life, what is a temptation to you. Pick it. It cannot satisfy you. It cannot. You weren't made by whatever it is, for whatever it is. You're made by Christ and for Christ. You know, I mentioned this the other day, but it's worth saying again. Because you came from the Spirit and the Word of God, you must abide in the Spirit and the Word of God to live. Fish came from water, so fish must abide in water. It's a law of creation. It's a law of origination. Wherever you, whatever dimension you originated from, you have to abide there. Do you see now the, the tension? How because we have the earth suit and the fall of Adam lives within the earth suit here somewhere, it works like gravity to always pull us and tempt us to be satisfied by worldly things. But it cannot because you did not come from a fallen dimension. You actually came out of the image of God, out of the spirit and the word of God. So you must abide in the spirit. And this is all throughout the New Testament, you know, in Paul's writings. Having begun by the Spirit, Galatians 5.25, let us walk by the Spirit. Well, say law, think about it. So if you're here today and you are indifferent about Jesus, I'm praying for you that the soil of your heart will be changed, your eyes will be opened. 
Because as we said prophetically a couple of weeks ago, if you look at what's happening in the world and how time is accelerating, it's going faster and faster. I don't know if you can sense it, but it is. We're at the end of January already in 2021. But you need to get born again. Get filled with the Spirit of God. That was your original design. And get after it. Let's get after it together. All right. So let's go to John 17, 3. Number one, get to know His person. If we're going to lay the foundation of Jesus Christ in our personal lives, and then also our home and family, and then through Grace Church and beyond, number one, commit to get to know His person. Now, it means to know and experience who He is through relationship. Know and experience who He is through relationship. John 17, 3. This is eternal life that they know. Everybody say no. They know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And that starts with getting born again. Receiving Him into your person. And then he says, the one and only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So if you're taking notes, write this one down. This is good. This is a great nugget. Uh, his desire, what he means in John 17, 3, he wants you to have a living relationship with the living God and his living word. That's what he's saying in John 17, 3. If you eat the word, don't forget February 21, we're going to eat the word together. If you eat the word no in John 17, 3, it's the Greek word gnosko. And it means this, to know, especially through personal experience, firsthand acquaintance, not passed down from somebody else, to experience and intimately know. Look at this, citing Luke one thirty four as the example. How can this be? Remember, Mary's talking to the angel Gabriel. How can I get pregnant since I do not know a man? Same word. You've been born again by an incorruptible seed. The word seed there in 1 Peter 1 is sperma. So the living Christ, the very DNA of God comes on the inside of you. Would that be possible without the cross? No, because God is so holy, he can't live in an unholy temple. So Jesus cleansed all of humanity. He was the second Adam. He undid what the first one did. But you've got to receive the word of God. You've got to receive Christ by the spirit. Get your spirit born again. This makes sense. It's very important that you understand this. So when he says this is eternal life, he's talking about a union that Christ be formed in you. I have labor pains. I'm travailing. I'm interceding all night long, Galatians people, so that Christ can be formed on the inside of you. That's what we're about. This definition gives the connotation of an absolute oneness and personal knowing. And maybe you say, well, Brother Steve, I'm just not sure how to hear him. I, I want to hear him. I want to fine-tune my spirit and my ears to hear his spirit. Come to eat the word. February 21st. And I guess we kind of have limited spacing. Uh, Gretchen had mentioned this week, so please sign up. But man, I want, I want as many as can. It's just a great tool to acclimate you using Scripture to begin to hear the voice of Jesus. We're going to use Scripture, the integrity of Scripture, we're not going to lock you in a closet and say, now go in there and come out and tell me what he said. We'll teach you how you can sit with the scripture and then ask Jesus, what are you saying personally to me? Okay, we begin to acclimate to hear his voice because he is spirit. He's not confined to a book. 
I mean, I love scripture. But even in John 5, 39 and 40, Jesus rebuked the religious people of his day. He said, you pour over the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, but you won't come to me to know me. What's the purpose of the scriptures then? To know him. What's the purpose of eat the word night? So we can get to know him. We get acclimated to his voice. Guess what communication does? It breeds something called relationship. And relationship fosters intimacy. And intimacy with the spirit of the living voice fosters good fruit. And listen to this. You ready? Obedience from the heart. Which is really what he cares about. He doesn't care about your obedience, your religious obedience, where you kick rocks all the way down. I hate that guy, but I guess if you want me to take an apple pie to him, I'll do it. But ever since he built that fence next to me, I've just hated my neighbor. He is not interested in that. If you think you're scoring big points with that, you are not. The new covenant is all about the intent of your heart, your motive. These people honor me with their lips, Jesus said, but their what? Their heart is far from me. What's he care about? A brand new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, he prophesied the new covenant was coming, that I'm going to give you a brand new heart, and I'm going to put my spirit on the inside of you, and I'm going to cause you to love your neighbor. The word agapeo is a Greek word akin to agape. Agape is a noun. Agapeo is a verb. But it's his divine influence on your heart. So Jesus comes in. He begins to influence your heart to love your neighbor. Now, he won't choose for you. That's not love. But he influences you. He loves on you. He speaks to you to choose his choices. And why does it matter that you choose his choices? Because turn or burn, baby. Brian, if you don't love your neighbor, God's going to strike you down. Wrong. He wants Brian to choose his choices because Brian is made for his choices. Brian is made for love. Brian is made for goodness and gentleness and kindness. You remember the famous blogger up in New York I told you about sometime last year. I don't remember when it was, but she was an outright atheist. She grew up Jewish, but she was, they were not practicing. She was an atheist, had a very popular blog. And in her blog, she would write, and, and she was so overjoyed when she would help people. And then she's super smart. She graduated from Yale. So in her super smartness, she began to ponder the idea, why do I feel good when I help people? And she realized morality is not something yet to be determined. Morality lives inside of human beings. We have a bent towards goodwill. We have a, we have, we're home in helping. Yeah, so that's what I mean. You're marked for God. You can run, but you can't hide. You're made for him. So what do I do? Well, get saved, get filled with the Holy Spirit, and get after it. Get after knowing Jesus. <laughs> I mentioned Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me. Um, it's a specific personal invitation. Let me give you another one. You guys doing okay? You doing all right? All right. Matthew seven twenty one through twenty three. See, this is a test. <laughs> Look at this passage. Matthew seven twenty one. Jesus said, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven." But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Everybody say the will of the Father. So very important. Underline that in your Bible. He's going to tell you what the will of the Father is. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Man, we cast out demons. We went to church. We joined the outreach team. 
Uh, man, we fed the poor one day. We did wonders in your name. Verse 23. But I'll declare to them what? I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Guess what the word knew is in the Greek? Gnosko. Intimate, experiential knowing. That's why if you ever run out and your, your goal is productivity or your goal is results-driven, well, you've missed the master. He's the joy in the journey. He loves you way more than what you do for him. And here's a thought. You'll bear way more fruit walking with him every day than you will doing stuff for him. Amen. Depart from me, I never knew you. So what's the will of the Father in heaven? That we what? Verse 23, that we gnosko him. Not secondhand knowledge. I have firsthand knowledge of the living Christ. I have a living relationship with the living God, his living word via the living voice. That is eternal life. That is the will of the Father. And he desires that for every American. Every human being on this planet. It is God's will. That we know Him. Jesus as the center. Jesus as intimacy. Jesus in knowing Him. How about this? Know the Lamb, not just the plan. Some of you, it's like, oh, here's the plan. You run out. You left Jesus, man. (laughs) More important than knowing the plan is knowing the Lamb. Know the Lamb. Jesus, I don't know... You know, I know he was born supernaturally the Holy Spirit, but he spent a lot of years acclimating to his father's voice, being trained to only do what the father said do. And at 30, that's when he began ministry. Now, if Jesus spent, let's just say, 20 years getting to know daddy, what makes you think, oh, man, I'm ready? (laughs) Now, listen, let's balance it because I'm not saying, oh, well, you got to arrive somewhere and get qualified. You remember you remember that? He told me, Steve, if I have to wait till you get good enough in your own mind for me to use you, well, I can't wait that long. Okay, so we're going to balance it, though. But but the bottom line is intimacy with the Father is what should produce ministry. Intimacy over ministry. Thank you, Lord. So... Know the Lamb, not just the plan. And it's like I say, uh, don't just read the Bible, sit with the author. How about this? The word will, the will of God here is thelema in the Greek, which is commonly used in the Lord. This is what it means, extending his best offer to the believer, desiring to birth his persuasion inside the believer's heart and manifest his presence in him. That's the will of the Father. Let me say it this way for you. The Father's will is to birth His very presence in the believer through Jesus so we can know Him. That's why I get passionate that the cross is only half the gospel. I get passionate because Jesus wants to invade the heart of every American. It is too shallow to think, yes, I'm an American. Yes, I'm a Christian. Jesus died for all of our sins. Yea, for Jesus. That's, he didn't do it just to stop there. He did it to penetrate the human heart once again so that we go back to the garden day to day, heart to heart, spirit to spirit, walking and talking with dad, deriving our identity from him, not what people say about us, but from what dad says about us. Inward intimacy, new creation identity. 
priesthood of the believer. Amen. And you say, well, Steve, I hear what you're saying, but are we not going to do stuff? Yes, (laughs) we're doing stuff now. We're doing a lot right now. Eat the Word is coming up. That's doing something. We do outreaches where we give it all away. I love our outreaches. Whatever we do, it's free. We do discovery groups. We do worship service. We do disciple making. We do kids of grace. We do pastoral care. We do lots of things. But all I'm saying is, and all he's saying is, it's all going to be centered on him. If you get to step two and step three and step four before you're established in step one, you're going to have a calamity on your hands. We've got to return to intimacy with the Lord. This is the word of the Lord to us in America. You've got to return to me. And you've got to get the first things first once again. Being intimate with Him. United in knowing Jesus, etc. It's interesting that all five of these fruit know Him. Know His work. Know His teaching. Know His authority. Know His voice. They all come out of abiding. If you'll make a decision today that I'm going to abide in the Lord. What I mean by that, you're going to live connected. He's the vine, you're the branch. He's going to source me. Lord, you're my source for identity. You're my source for how I treat people. John 13, 34, remember when Jesus said, a new command I give you. It's no longer love your neighbor as you love yourself because some of you don't love yourselves and it shows up in how you treat your neighbor. It's, it's, you're, it's become a hindrance to you. So he said this, a new command, love one another like I love you. Let me be your vine. Let me be your source. Guys, that's, that's why he came. And all five of these come out of abiding and just living connected to the vine. And, and again, I've taught on this. I'll probably teach on it again in this series. But he defined it in John 15. It means include him. Remember he said, for without me you can do nothing. He's talking about bearing fruit. So abiding is you do nothing without him. You include him. You're stuck in, stuck in traffic? Include him. Getting mad at your spouse? Include him before you speak. Need to discipline your children? Include him. Amen, somebody. That's good. So the Lord is clear. It's first things first. And as I mentioned, what truly delights my heart is how people in this body are beginning to really acclimate and and order their lives around knowing His voice. Uh, Listen to this. This is uh, Myra Richards. The one I read earlier was from Angela Sturgill about the foundations. So here's what Myra texted me this week. We were just having a little discourse about 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 9. It's interesting. In 1 Corinthians 1, here's your, here's your homework assignment for this week. Read 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1 through 9, and look at the centrality and preeminence of Jesus. He's going to be mentioned nine times in nine passages in the first uh, verses of the letter to the church at Corinth. We must return to the foundation of Jesus Christ here in the West. We must, we must, we must, we must. And then here's what she said as she was sitting with the Lord. Uh, Here's what he said. Dear Myra, it does not matter how much worldly knowledge you have. It does not matter how much you have read the Bible or how many times you've attended church or how many people you know who've memorized Scripture. The knowledge of this world is for a fool. 
Do not try to understand with your own understanding. Seek me, Myra. Love me. Talk to me. For only personal time with me produces knowledge of any value. This is powerful. The knowledge you will gain through me and with me, Myra, is way more valuable than anything this world has taught you. You are no longer the mold of this world. You are and have been created in my image. The knowledge I will teach you is the way of life, and it is the way to produce fruit. Somebody clap your hands. Amen. That's what's happening. A living relationship with the living God is living word via the living voice. That's what's happening. And did you, did you notice how he used the integrity of Scripture to do it? 1 Corinthians 1. It's not like he, she just heard this from outer space. She was sitting with him, pouring over Scripture. Gavin, you guys can come. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Look at what Jesus said. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be what? My witnesses. We are witnesses unto who? Jesus. We're not witnesses unto ourselves or our great ministry or our great orators or our great building. Oh, that's fine. I thank God for this building, this property. I do because it lets us do some of the things that he wants to do. But we're to bear witness of Jesus. That's our call. And when you read Scripture, when you read Scripture, even 1 Corinthians 1, I mentioned that. Read it like this. Lord, I want to know you. And when you get into Scripture, I love this analogy. Lord, I want to know you. Lord Jesus, I want to know you. When you crack open the Bible, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I'm not just here checking Scripture reading off my to-do list. I want to know you as the ram at Abraham's altar. That's Genesis. I want to know you as the Passover lamb. That's Exodus. I want to know you, Jesus, as the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. That's Numbers. I want to know you as my shepherd. That's Psalms. Do you see how you make the connection to the living word? I want to know you as my wisdom out of Proverbs. I want to know you as the fourth man in the fiery furnace that I saw in Daniel. I want to know you as him. I want to know you as the Lord who rejoices over me with singing in Zephaniah. I want to know you as the son of righteousness who rises with healing in his wings in Malachi. In the New Testament, I want to know you as the son of the living God. That's Matthew. I want to know you as the miracle worker in Mark. I want to know you as my baptizer in the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts. You see, you make the connection personally to him. I want to know you as my Holy Spirit baptizer. I want to know you as my justifier in Romans. I want to know you as the one who redeems me from the condemnation of the law in Galatians. I want to know you in Thessalonians as my soon coming king. I want to know you in Titus as my grace and blessed hope. How about this? I want to know you in Hebrews as the initiator of a brand new covenant with God. Thank God. Thank God for the new covenant. I want to know you in 1 John as the everlasting love of God. Whatever scripture you're in, Jesus, I want to know you in what I'm reading. And then go to Revelation revelation alone jesus i want to know you this is just chapter one i want to know you as the lord who is who was and who is to come i want to know you as the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead the ruler over the kings of the earth this is all revelation one i want to know you as him who loved us and washed us from our sins in your own blood 
I want to know you as, uh, as the one who made us kings and priests to his God and Father. I want to know you as the I am. I want to know you as the Alpha and Omega. I want to know you as the beginning and the end. This is all Revelation chapter 1. I want to know you as the Almighty, as the first and the last, the Son of Man. I want to know you as the one whose hair is white like snow in Revelation chapter 1. Eyes who are like flaming fire. How about this? Whose voice is the sound of many waters. I want to know you as Him, the one whose voice is the sound of many waters. Him who lives. Him who was dead. Him who is alive forevermore. He who has the keys of Hades and of death. All that's Revelation 1. And if you continue reading in Revelation, Lord, I want to know you as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Make no mistake about it. Jesus made Himself out to be God. He is not a religious figure to be laid alongside other religions, guys. He is the living God in the flesh. Amen. Will you stand with me? Oh, Father, I sense the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, I thank you that as we get in Scripture, we sit in Scripture with you. It's never going to be the same because, Jesus, we commit. We want to know you. We purpose to know your person. In all the different aspects, Lord, of who you are, we want to know you. Glory to his name. Father, thank you for just casting a tremendous anointing here this morning upon everyone who has ears to hear. Those who are willing to sit with you and to pursue you, to know you, Jesus. Thank you for the anointing that breaks yokes, that opens their eyes, that opens their ears to brand new revelation and truth and growth and maturity and Christ-likeness. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Brother Steve, I've never accepted Jesus Christ. You talked about being born of the Spirit. I've never invited Him into my heart. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Brother Steve, pray for me. I want to receive Jesus Christ. Anyone, I want to receive the living Word into my heart. Thank you, Father. Boy, I sense the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. If you're here as a believer and say, Brother Steve, I want to walk with Jesus. I want my ears fine-tuned. I want grace to begin to walk this out. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter where the soil of your heart was before today. But if you'd say, Brother Steve, I'm with you. Let's dive into knowing Jesus. Will you raise your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Praise God. Father, I thank you all over this room. Lord, we come together as one man, one person, one family to lay the foundation of knowing Jesus Christ across everything. My personal life, my home, my family, the church, everything. My relationships outside of church, everything. And Lord, you see these hands, and I thank you that great grace, like a, like a sweet light rain, is falling in this place. Lord, that we can walk out our obedience, to know you, to lay the foundation. Everything else is going to crumble. Everything else is fallible, but you're not, Lord. Church, will you take your right hand, just place it on your heart. Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, seal this word in our hearts. Seal. It shall not be stolen, but it will find good, good soil good, good soil. And Father, lastly, once again, we give Grace Church to you. May everything we do and everything we are, everything that comes through us be laid upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and knowing you. We love you. We really love you.
Use us, Lord, now. Use us for your purposes. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody said amen. Give him praise in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. If you need prayer, stick around. If you have questions, we'd love to meet you. We'll meet you here at the front. Otherwise, let's go change our world. Let's go live it. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.com.